Welcome everyone to the Psychic Wives podcast with Ginger Hendry, Jerry Carabin, and Kathy Rumsey. Here we discuss all things energetic, spiritual, intuitive, and yes, psychic. You'll learn about things like Reiki, animal communication, mediumship, or maybe just how to manage your energy on a daily basis. We'd like this to be a place where you can come to open your mind and allow yourself to create a better version of you. It's all about everyday living with a twist. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Psychic Wives. I am Kathy Rumsey. I'm Ginger Hendry. And I am Jerry Carabin. And we have two guests with us today that I'm really excited about. Maria Forland, who has been with us before, a spirit artist. And Jeff Tarrant. Am I saying that correctly? Tarrant? You are. That's exactly right. Awesome. And he, you're a psychologist and a neuroscientist, correct? That's that's right. That's it. So this is super exciting because... Um, we don't usually get very technical, like scientific people <laughs> yeah, we get more interested world. in this. Um, but you guys are joining us today because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the science aspect of mediumship and getting to understand it better. And that's that's what you've been looking into, Jeff, is the um, how the brain works, like changes in the brain and and. I'm assuming like what gets fired in the brain when you're doing mediumship stuff. Um, so why don't you, if you want to just give me a little bit about you and how you and Maria met. Sure. Yeah. So, um, so how I got into this, well, it's sort of a longer story, but uh, the short story is I was not looking for this. It, it sort of found me as these things tend to do. Um, and so it was probably about 11 years ago and, um, was presented an opportunity to look at somebody's brainwave activity who uh, channels South American tribal languages. Mm. And so I was invited to do that. And I said, sure, why not? That sounds like fun. And, um, you know, and then uh, I blame her for me getting into this stuff because <laughs> then the next thing I know, I'm being introduced to other mediums and other psychics. And, uh, you know, everybody, it's been interesting because everybody that I've met has been very interested and curious about getting their brains mapped. And yes. so it has not been hard to find participants. And so just over the last 10 or 11 years, I've just been accumulating more and more data and trying to make some sense out of it. Well, that's fantastic because it's a little bit rare for the scientific community to not just automatically poo-poo this woo-woo stuff. Um, and Ginger and Jerry and I say all the time, like, we don't know how we get what we get. It just, to us, it just comes to us, but obviously there's stuff happening in our brain that is allowing it. So this is super cool. Jerry's raising. I just want to interject something because it is super cool. And it, it's a little bit of a tangent, but this is when I really started thinking about this and why I was intrigued to have you on Jeff, because I wear an aura ring. Uh, of course, I don't have it on right now, but Kathy's wearing it right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And it does your sleep and your stress and, and stuff like this. I found this was last year. I don't know if you know, but the aura ring will do like if it'll it'll say you'll get a little thing on your app saying, hey, you had a you had an unconfirmed confirmed workout. <laughs> OK, so it's your heart rate. I was doing readings 
with that aura ring on and I'd finish and I'd happen to later update the app on my phone and it would say you have an unconfirmed workout and I'm like what and it would be between between the hours of one and two when I was in a reading in a reading and so that happened that happened to me the other day when I was actually I was down um I was grooming, but I was also sharing Reiki with my horse and I got the yes. same thing. And I, I, I actually dismissed it and thought, well, maybe my heart rate was up because I had just walked him in the barn. But now that you say that. No, right, because yeah. I'm not sitting there in a reading going <laughs> right. like on the treadmill, I'm calm, but you yeah. can see the actual spikes in this graph. So anyway, when, so that's why when we heard you, I was like, oh my God, let's talk to him. <laughs> So sorry about that little tangent, but I thought it was cool. And it's kind of in line with what we're t- talking about here. And and it sounds like maybe I need to expand some of the different biometrics that I'm evaluating because I've been, yeah, right. you know, I've been kind of fixated on the brain, but uh, there's a lot of other ways to mm-hmm. measure your physiology and, and clearly something's going on. So, um, so thanks. Now I've got another thing to add to my list. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now you got to get a cardiologist involved. Too. <laughs> um, so what is happening in the brain when we access these forms of knowing or, you know, psychic abilities or spirit communication? Yeah. And of course, it's not a simple answer, you know, because um, so one of the things that I've seen, at least with the data I've collected, is that there are some similarities. There's some patterns that show up. And at the same time, there's differences. Not everybody is exactly the same. There's, you know, there's, it seems like there's different ways that people shift their brainwave patterns in order to access this information. Um, But the patterns that are pretty consistent and the ones that probably make the most sense to talk about here, one of them relates to an area of the brain called the God spot. And that's, of course, not the official name. That's, you know, the official name is the, the right parietal lobe. Or if you want to get even more technical, the superior parietal lobule, if you want to get really specific. <laughs> um, but it's back here, right? It's this back right quadrant of the brain. And one of the things that I see over and over and over again is that that part of the brain seems to go offline, when, especially during spirit communication or mediumship. Oh. And... And this is a part of the brain that I wasn't even familiar with it until I kept seeing this pattern and then started to figure out like, well, what, what's, what is this? And, you know, the media had dubbed this part of the brain, the God spot years ago because of some other research that had found that people that have injuries to that part of the brain become more spiritual. They have more spiritual experiences, including things like communicating with their deceased loved ones and having visions and things like this. Uh, as well as becoming more empathic. And so clearly there's something about this part of the brain that's important. Well, actually it's turning that part of the brain off is what's important, getting it to not inhibit uh, the flow of information that's coming through. Mm. And so different mediums have different ways to do that, but it, but it shows up frequently. Interesting. So do you think that everyone has the ability to be psychic or communicate with spirit? I, yes. Uh, and and I say that coming from two different kind of places. One is just experimenting with people, including myself, that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say, yes, I'm I'm a psychic. I'm a, you know, I don't right. I, I don't practice this professionally. I don't, um, but of course you can't be in this field and not 
experiment on yourself a little bit and say, well, gosh, I wonder if I can do this. Um, but then also looking at other people who are curious and seeing if they can develop these things. And then, of course, I've interviewed dozens of mediums and they all say, all of them say, everybody can do this. Mm -hmm. Everybody has this ability. And so just from those sort of pieces of information, my conclusion is that it's like, yeah, I think we all, I think we're all born with this ability and then the right. brain gets in the way. Yes. Um, as the brain develops and as language develops and as we get enculturated, that we essentially shut down our ability to access uh, that information. And so then, you know, some people are just lucky, right? Like Maria, right? It's like, well, and you guys, right? Like you just, it's like your brain just knows how to do that. Uh, but then there's other people like me where it's like, okay, now I got to figure out how to shut that thing off. Uh, and so well, I think that, yeah, I think that's it's, it's funny because I, I don't know what Maria's experience has been in getting into this, but I've, I've talked with a lot of people, not around mediumship, but around psychic abilities who would say that there's, there's a, it seems like a pretty good correlation between people who have experienced trauma like capital T trauma and their psychic ability. Like somehow whatever trauma they endured helped them open up or maybe just be more receptive to their psychic abilities as a self, as a form of like self-protection. As a form of self-protection. Well, yeah. I mean, if you, if you go through a trauma and it's like, you, you look back and go, Oh, I knew in my gut, whatever. Oh, mm -hmm it's start listening to that more like realizing oh that's there i should have realized it before x happened yeah I wonder, though too when we're, when we're talking about this um when when you had mentioned jeff you know that you could turn off that party we need we need to turn off that part of the brain that's what mediums do and, and whatnot but how do we know how do people know how to do that like when you're saying that i don't know what i do at all, <laughs> uh, you know, I make a connection and and it, and it just works. So I'm wondering, you know, are people born with nothing? Everybody's born with the, the ability because I I do I do believe that. But is it stronger? Is that part of the brain that accesses stronger for some or the other? Or yeah, I I, I think of it as a, a flexibility, and my my current kind of feeling about it is that mediums for whatever reason have a, a bit of a more flexible brain so that they don't get stuck in certain rigid patterns so you know maybe the rest of us it's kind of like that right parietal lobe is always on it's always doing its job and so it's really hard to connect whereas other people it's kind of off and on sometimes it's on sometimes it's off there's more fluidity in how it behaves and, you know, and that's kind of true with everybody, with all of our parts of our brain, right? Like certain people are going to have other parts of the brain that are more flexible than others. And so at least my current thinking is that it's just one of those sort of natural variations, right? That just some people, for whatever reason, and then there may be things like big T traumas that can uh, kind of loosen that up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's true even kind of going between the left and right hemisphere, which is a little bit of a different part of the conversation, but I think mediums are particularly good at shifting back and forth really quickly so that they can go to the right side and access information and then go to the left side and interpret it and verbalize it and make sense out of it. Whereas a lot of other people kind of get stuck in one hemisphere or the other. And so you either can't communicate what's going on, you lose it, 
because you can't verbalize it or you're stuck in analytic mode and you never can tap in. And so, so for me, the the whole issue becomes flexibility, brain flexibility. And maybe that's why, sorry, Ginger, maybe that's why, or or because we maybe have our brains a little more flexible that when we go, because we each do have a little tiny little ritual before every reading you know, I say a prayer, I sage, I ground myself, I do certain things for five minutes before. Which is all really quieting your brain, right? Which is quieting quieting your brain. And maybe that's because our brain is flexible. And when we started, I know Ginger and I, like when I started, it was a half hour meditation. You know, now it's a minute or two of just, yeah. The more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting what you were saying there because I was thinking, you know, like let's say you're in the middle of a reading, um, and then let's say something comes up and you don't quite understand it, which you don't really need to understand it. You just need to deliver it. But what happens sometimes is you think, okay, that doesn't really make sense, and you try to go up and I'll just say be analytical, and it pulls all the energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay, so that is learned. Right. That, that ability to just let that go. Um, okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that's a very right brained process, right. Of what you're describing. And so it's interesting because even though you're still using language, which is a left brain process, and this is what a lot, most of the meetings I've talked to say, right. That it's like, they're just letting the information come through without filtering it. So they're not trying to interpret it or understand it. They're just saying it. So you're still using language, but you're not using it in the typical way of creating a story, which is what language usually does, right? It sort of makes a story out of out of our experiences. And I think that's where we get in trouble is when we get over there and start making, trying to make sense out of it right? and trying to interpret it, yeah. then we, we kind of take away from the, the raw truth of what is coming through. And that's really true because I remember I just did a reading the other day where I was saying, I was whatever I was saying. And I was saying, do you understand this? Cause I don't, but I don't need to, like, I had no idea what the heck I was talking about. And she was like, Nope, I got, I totally understand. I'm like, okay, because I didn't, I didn't need to understand. And sometimes I think if I, I I'm, I'm loving what you're saying. Cause sometimes I think if I try to understand it, it pulls me out. Well, it happened to me last week, which is why I was thinking of it, because I had a lot of feeling that came through and I was delivering that feeling around a situation. Um, And it, what I was feeling from the person on the other side didn't match what I was seeing. And so I was, I didn't even realize that I was doing like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. And I, and it was like, stop and start, stop and start, because I didn't even hear that mind chatter from myself. And it wasn't until after I did the reading and I thought, you know, I didn't have to, because the person who was sitting got it. Right. So I, I thought. It's funny how we get in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I want to just, I want to ask one question and I don't want to talk in depth about it because it could be like a whole other podcast, but um <laughs> I have a son who's autistic and um, Ginger has a, a grandson who's on the spectrum and they are both very intuitive, even though they seem like they're very rigid in their thinking. And I was wondering if you've ever done any looking around autistic brains and and this. And again, I don't I don't want to get too much into it because it's not what we're here talking about. But yeah. I'm just curious. This, this is so awesome, Jeff. You got a story <laughs> with the young boy. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, 
last year, I um, had the opportunity to work with three different uh, autistic individuals. Uh, the youngest was 13. And then they, I think the oldest was maybe 24 or something like that. And uh, they're all, all three are nonverbal. Um, uh, and they, but they all three communicate by, uh, with using a letter board. And so pointing and spelling. So they're very bright. Um, and, you know, once, once they could learn to communicate, you could really see how much they actually know and how much they're absorbing from the environment. And people assume like, oh, they don't know what's going on. It's like, oh no, they, they know exactly what's going on. Um, and so anyway, all three of these individuals that I was able to work with were, I mean, basically a hundred percent accurate in their tele telepathy with their primary caregiver. Um, we ran them through all kinds of tests. Um, you know, we could, we could pull out a, a four digit random number and show it to the mom and you know, the, the kid, adolescent, teenager, adult, they would just point to the four letters boop, or four numbers. Boop, oh boop, 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 like, and we could do it. Could, we could just do this over and over. Like one time we did it like 40 times in a row and it was like rapid fire. I, I mean, it was so fast. We barely showed the, 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 the number to the mom before, you know, the, the kid was pointing to the number board. Boop, 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 boop. I mean, it was like instantaneous. They just had the information. That's amazing. It is. It, it was it was intense. I mean, for me, that was the thing that that was one of the things that just sort of was like, okay, the skeptical part of my brain, like, well, what do you do with that? Right. You know, right. like, I mean, you know, there's only, yeah. there's only so much skepticism you can have when you see stuff like that, you know, so right. the, 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 the subject was telepathically connected to the caregiver. Yeah. And some, and some of them, it, it so some of them, it was, with the primary caregiver, it was definitely the strongest. Mm -hmm. um, with one of them, that was really the only person she was totally accurate with. Um, sometimes she could do it with dad, sometimes not. It wasn't 100%. Um, other people, not really. But one of the other um, young adults, you know, he could do it with anybody. It didn't really matter. It's amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, you know, we were down there filming and uh, one of the, film crew guys who was just in the background all day watching this, right? He wasn't participating. He didn't have any interaction, but he was like just being amazed the whole time. And at the end of the day, when they were packing up, he wrote a, a word on a piece of paper and held it to his chest and went up to this young adult and said, what's on this piece of paper? And, you know, no problem. Doot, 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 doot. He wrote friend and, you know, he spelled it out perfectly. And so uh, you know, it's like, wow, okay. that's so cool. Yeah. That is, that is really cool. That is really cool. Um, so we were, we were, and thank you so much for talking about that. Cause I'm, I mean, personally, I'm very interested just because of my relationship with my son and I can see how, how, um, empathic he is. And, and, um, there's a lot of communication that goes on between us. That's not spoken. Yeah. Um, so, so we, so we were talking, you were talking about basically that God spot and how, you know, people who've had accidents or somehow injured or impacted that part of their brain um, can't open up more. So other than like bashing your head against a wall. Which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> I would not either. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like what, what other kinds of things do you, have you seen that have helped open that up 
I'm assuming creativity is a big one and that's where Maria comes into this conversation. Thank you for sitting so quietly, Maria. <laughs> I'm always fascinated with the merge of the science and the yeah. spirits because honestly, until uh, we reconnected after many years, it was, uh, I don't know, it was a story unfolding for me too because uh, he's helped me to uh, respond to better techniques so I can pass along to uh, to people that are frightened or uh, unable they think to connect mm -hmm. and uh, and then through a number of different types of modalities we can support the brain before we get in the way mm -hmm. so it's helped me to even connect more deeply with some of these uh, modalities very cool very cool. So let's talk a little bit about um, creativity and mm -hmm. and psychic abilities and mediumship abilities. What have been your findings? Me or Maria? Oh, you, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because this is a little bit of a new exploration for me. Uh, and so Maria is really kind of helping me explore this more. Um and part of it's just my background. It's not that I'm not creative, but I, 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 I spend my creative juices and, and sort of, you know, not in sort of producing art or music or something, right. Like uh, in, in other ways, right. Through my research and whatnot, but mm -hmm. you know, it makes perfect sense because one of the things that we keep running into, and we've already mentioned it is this sort of need to be able to access information on the right side of the brain. And and so the right side of the brain is nonverbal, right? And so there's certain kinds of meditation states that can help us get there. Actually, mindfulness, true mindfulness mm -hmm. is very, where you're just tuning into the sensory experience of what's happening in the moment without an interpretation. It's exactly what we just said earlier, right? It's very right-brained. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some technology interventions that um, we've been using, and we can talk about that later if you want, that seem to help activate or deactivate that part of the brain. But then of course the right side of the brain, we think of frequently as being connected to creativity. And so to me, like once Maria and I started talking, I was like, well, this makes perfect sense, right? That it's like developing, accessing your create, your creativity is it's, it's helping you stay connected to that right hemisphere. Mm -hmm. And so it, it makes perfect sense. And of course, Maria has got a perfect way of doing it because she's, She's doing it through art. Um, right. So uh, I think that's brilliant. You know, it makes it makes perfect sense. And so I'm excited to learn more and incorporate more of that, right? Like how can we use more create, creative expression as a way to either help access this or to bring through the information kind of like Maria does? Yeah, Maria, we, I'm going to, um, can you just tell some people briefly about what you do? Because I know you've been on here before, but people that are joining us now may not have seen yours because it was quite a while ago. Okay. Um, so just explain briefly what you do, because we keep referring to you and somebody may be saying, what the heck does she do? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm a spirit artist, a medium psychic, and um that spirit art means many different things to many different people. And in, when we're talking about mediumship, it's the ability to draw either the face, the imagery of some sort of recognition, or even an icon or 
uh, a picture of some sort that would relate to the spirit person. And we give evidence verbally. I know uh, you've all been uh, fabulous scribblers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we call it uh, the spiritual doodling or uh, precious doodling. Mm -hmm. And um, as we unfold in a reading, oftentimes drawing a face is a very positive experience. Uh, but also the aura of a person. Say you, you just put a shock of color across the paper and they go, oh, that was my father's favorite color. And that's that starts you into um, clicking your brain out of the way, I guess. I, that's not a, that's a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> clicking your brain out of the way. That works. Yeah. To, uh, to be able to just keep going, then, then there's confidence in that. So I don't think that creativity and spirit art is just for the medium. I, I am strongly uh, believing now that we all live this creative life and we recognize more deeply how these things impact us and, and helping to bring people that feel they have no artistic experience into uh, more self-awareness, more uh, joyful daily living, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's not just spirit art that I'm passionate about. It's, it's the, the way spirit works with us creatively in our daily life. And so can we talk about some different um, examples of creative stuff? <laughs> talk about a technical term. And I think we lost Maria briefly. Look, she looks frozen. Or yeah. She <laughs> Yeah, and just so everybody that's listening to this knows, there is currently a blizzard kind of going on up where Kathy and Maria and um, uh, Ginger are. Uh, so Maria kind of had a feeling that she might um, lose power. So we'll see if she comes back. But one thing I wanted to uh, mention about Maria that in the the video that you guys did, Jeff and Maria, um, watching Maria do it both handed amazing it's insane yeah. it is so cool and jeff you talked about that a little bit in in that thing that you did the 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 interview and and everything that you did do you want to touch on that a little bit uh, yeah i mean you know and actually that was the first time i'd seen her do that was when she Me sent too, me this video, in that video i had no idea i yeah, had no yeah. idea either i just assumed you know like uh if i was going to draw a picture i would use my dominant hand and yeah. um and so, but, but yeah, when you're watching Maria do it, she's using both hands simultaneously, uh, drawing this picture and, um, you know, it's, it's really genius again, in some ways, because your non-dominant hand is going to be more tapped into that creative flow. Cause it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to take you out of predicting and the way that you normally see the world, right? Cause you know, we have these habitual patterns that that we get used to processing information. And so, you know, and some of that is going to be, well, you know, I write, I draw with one hand. And so using both at the same time, and it also sort of makes you, I would think, and I'd love to hear what Maria says, but, you know, it has to just be more of a flowing process, right? You, you can't yeah. think too much about it. You just have to sort of move. And I um, think she actually says that, that she's like kind of in like a, like a Zen thing. I think she says something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like a light trance, yeah. I think, you yes, know? And, yes. Yes. Um, 
And so it reminds me a little bit of what you all were saying earlier, right? That with other types of mediumship, you, you kind of have to get out of the way and just let the information come through verbally, but she's doing it through the drawing. So the information is just coming through um, and she's just allowing it to happen, I think. Um, and it's stunning because it's coming through. You would think that if you're drawing this way and then you're drawing this way, they're not going to, you know, one's going to be up here, one's going to be back. And no, it's, she's drawing a face. It's, in, it's, I was like, it's I was shocked. Watch. It's yeah. amazing. So Maria and I met at a spirit art workshop where she was a participant. She wasn't teaching the workshop and she and I got paired together, which was a little daunting. She was a wonderful artist. I didn't know about her mediumship abilities because we this, this workshop that was offered said, you don't need any psychic abilities just, you know, so I went just to, I went to get more into the art piece of it. And I didn't know, we just, we got paired up and I saw her artistic abilities and was literally like, so I can draw stick figures, um, <laughs> but it's so interesting, you know, even like holding the pencil like this, which I know for people who are only listening, you can't see, but the, the man who was teaching the workshop said, you know, don't hold it like you normally do because that puts you very much into your left brain of, oh, I'm going to be writing a letter, you know, change it or change which hand you're using. And it just opens up having to rely, I'm assuming, on that right side of your brain mm -hmm. more for the for the the flow. And to add to that, I used to, I took a drawing class when I was back in college. I used to draw a bit and our instructor had us, um, we were looking at a picture, like a print of something, and we had to turn it upside down and draw it upside down because now you're just seeing shapes. You're just seeing, you're not, your brain is not interpreting it that, oh, there's a line here and a thing here. And a, and a thing here. So you definitely believe that that she has the ability because of both her hands are going, that's opening everything up here. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would suspect, right? And and it's kind of that flexibility issue that we, we you know, we keep kind of bumping into that, um, again, you know, kind of the rigid way of doing it, right? Is like you would use your dominant hand, you would draw a picture, um, but it's like if you're if you're changing it up, you're turning, you're doing it upside down, or you're you're holding the pencil a different way, or you're using your non-dominant hand. All of those things, I think, are creating flexibility. You're asking your brain to engage in a way that it normally doesn't. And you know, I think that does open up that right side, that sort of creative aspect. It's it 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 makes it more experiential as opposed to analytic. Mm, yeah. um, yeah. Um, I, somebody, a friend of mine sent me a little video clip of somebody and I'm not going to quote who it was because I don't remember or whatever, but it was something about changing. Is it by normal pathways? By nor Is that what they would call it? By normal? normal. By whatever. By normal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Brushing your teeth with the opposite hand. Like, yeah. would, you know, to would that be the same thing? Like getting that, you know, starting out the day, getting that other brain going as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think again, like on this flexibility thing, I think anytime we can disrupt our normal habitual patterns, that that's a good thing. You know, do you always sit in the same spot somewhere? You know, well, what if you sat somewhere different? Uh, you know, even simple things like that, right? Like break up the routine, like do things differently. 
um, because it shifts you out of that sort of just robotic, automatic processing. You know, yeah, what you know. You know, which is how most of, you know, the brain likes that. The brain likes habit, which is why we all form lots of habits. It makes life easy, um, but it also makes it sort of boring, right? And repetitive. And well, so and they, and they suggest that too, even to stave off, you know, memory loss as an older person and everything. Yeah. I was just thinking, Jerry, when you are doing a reading, um, I don't know if you would call this process creative, but you write when you're reading, yes. right? Um, yes. I, don't, I don't know that I could do that. So maybe I should try to do that. Um, yeah, because, well, the thing is, and I think that we've talked about that before. It's like, I am a writer by trade. So I will see words in, in a reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm always writing words. I'm not usually Google or doodling pictures, but yes, I'm writing words down. Have you ever tried writing with your non-dominant hand while you're all doing reading? All the it's time. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, all the time. That's yeah. amazing. It's really and, powerful. And, and I love to do automatic writing where I just sit down and actually like you write with your eyes closed and just stream of consciousness stuff. Um, it's and that is creative. That is, or it mm-hmm. it, it is at least getting out of that left brain. Um, so I want to I want to um, just do a little housekeeping. I did uh, just chat briefly with Maria. Her power is out. She's out on Cape Cod. She said the wind is like 50 miles an hour and it's everything's out. So she she won't be finishing, but she wants us to finish. And this is fantastic. Um, you talked a little about mindfulness and then you um talked about technology intervention. Yes, I was just about to, I'm circling that. I want to ask you about that because I do, I use um, an app for meditating called Insight Timer. Insight Timer, Uh uh-huh. Yeah. And they have a lot of like the binaural beats, you know, the just, it's not speaking, you know, guided meditation that's speaking, it's just sound. Is that a little bit of what you were referring to um kind of yeah so there's there's a variety of sort of we could call them neuromodulation or neurostimulation technologies right and binaural beats would would fit into that category because you know you're using sound uh in a specific way to influence the brainwave activity uh mm-hmm. is what you're doing um but there are other technologies out there that are a little bit more powerful than binaural beats and so one of them that I use a lot is, I do have some sitting here. I've got them everywhere, but they're, they're it's called audio visual entrainment. And so uh, you're using light stimulation. So you got these sci-fi looking glasses, right? And on the inside, you can't see because there's this white shield, but there's four lights built into the eye set on each side. And so you put these, you put these on, you close your eyes, your eyes are closed. And you pick up a certain program and there's a bunch of them. And then the lights flicker on and off at a certain frequency and it drives the brain to that same frequency. So it's kind of like the binaural beats, but it's way more powerful. Uh, You know, if you compare binaural beats to visual entrainment, there's not much of a comparison, right? It's, it's much stronger. And so you can use that to kind of, 
bring the brain to more of like a theta brainwave state, which is often involved in different kinds of psychic and mediumship type things or gamma, which is also comes up a lot. It's a very fast brainwave. And actually what we've been playing with is, and seems to work really well, is splitting the visual field. So not to get too technical, but the left side of both eyes is processed in the right brain. And the right visual field of both eyes is processed on the left brain. Oh, so, wow. be, so because there's four lights in here, you can split the fields. So you can send one frequency to the left hemisphere and a different frequency to the right hemisphere. So we can quiet down the left hemisphere, send some really slow brain waves over there, and then we can speed up and activate the right hemisphere at the same time. So there's ways to use this tech to try to help the brain kind of shift into exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, can we get more into that right brain way of engaging or slow the brain up or speed, you know, speed it up or slow it down or whatever it is we're trying to do. And, and so what... What this this audiovisual entrainment, what is it used for in addition to this? Like, is this a type of therapy? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah this... like, my husband could, boy, if I could turn off his left brain a little. Yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah. Just, yeah don't, don't tell him what you're doing. Just say, no, no, just no, no. Glasses right, on honey, on. Put these down and lay down. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a psychologist. And so actually I've been using these for about 25 years uh, in different variations because <clears throat> they can be used for all kinds of different mental health and, and not just mental health, but also physical. Of course, it's all connected, right? Mental health and physical stuff. They're not separate things, right? They're connected. But just to give a simple example, typically when people are depressed, the brain is actually running slower than than what we would like, right? It's kind of, there's too much slow brain waves. Well, so if you run these programs at a little bit of a faster frequency, so kind of a beta type frequency, it perks the brain up. And so people tend to feel better, right? So you can do a similar thing with, they call it brain brightening, right? So like age-related decline <clears throat> or something like that, where you can kind of perk the brain up and it functions more efficiently. Or if you're super anxious and your brain's running a million miles a minute, so it's running too fast, well, you put on like a theta or an alpha protocol or drop the frequency, literally, and people feel better. Or you can use it for sleep or you can use it for ADHD or, you know. Or could you, I, I have a friend who suffers from, was it, it was sad seasonal affected disorder and she has a light, the light thing on her desk. Yeah. Is that kind of along the same lines? Uh, it's, it's similar. And, and this, this does actually, it does help with, uh, with sad. Um, mm -hmm. But it, the, the light is a little bit different. You know, the light that yeah. you get that sits on your desk is going to be more intense and a different kind of light. Um, okay. But they have done studies with the, the audio visual entrainment and it does seem to help with that as well. Um, and so, you know, there's other mechanisms in here that, that may be important, right? Cause it increases brain blood flow it increases the flow of cerebral spinal fluid. Uh, it increases certain kinds of neurotransmitters. So it feel good, you know, dopamine and serotonin and endorphins and things like that. So there's actually a whole bunch of mechanisms that are going on behind the scenes, but besides kind of pulling the brain into a certain frequency. 
So you can actually use it for a lot of things, um, which is another reason I like it. It's like, you know. And so you you call it audiovisual entrainment. So is there's an audio component to it at the same time? There is, and, right. And they're synced up, like right. whatever the, the setting that you put on. Yes. Yeah. That's how it's usually used. But a lot of times I'll use it, um, especially when I'm doing more psi exploration kinds of things with this tech is have people use a different kind of sound, not the sound that comes with this, mm -hmm. but like using white noise or using a variation of white noise uh, or even listening to like, you know, space music or something, right? Something that's going to facilitate the state. And, and part of the reason that that works so well is because, you know, the glasses by themselves are very effective. Uh, the sound adds a little bit, but, you know, sometimes we can use this, use that sound component more effectively by doing something different. Mm. Um, what I wouldn't want to do is have two different things going on. You know, some people right. have asked me that. They're like, well, what if I listen to binaural beats and then put the glasses on something? It's like, well, now you're giving the brain two different things to do. Right. You know, you're saying, well, go to theta and go to beta. And it's kind of like, look, all right. You know, so right. not, I mean, it may be okay, but you're kind of working across currents a little bit. Sounds exhausting. <laughs> that, is, that is so cool. So, um, so you and Maria are doing a workshop together in a, in April, in a couple months from now, yeah. um, on Cape Cod. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm, I'm actually pretty intrigued at this point. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so we've got three full days, which is great. And, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting combination of things. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to present a little bit of the researchy brain science kind of stuff, um, so that people can, can kind of get a, a sense and an understanding of some of the things we're talking about, right? Like the God spot and the role of the occipital lobes in the back of the head, the visual processing, things we haven't even talked about yet. Mm -hmm. um, but really the, the goal of presenting that information is so that we can kind of like this conversation. It's like, well, okay, great. If we need to get in the right hemisphere and we've kind of, you've demonstrated that through the research and science, how do we do that? And so, and so then of course, Maria's got all kinds of creative exercises and experiences up her sleeve. And, you know, a lot of my work is with meditation and using technology to try to shift the brain out of its state. So breath work or stroboscopic lights, which is a little bit different than the audiovisual, um, you know, qigong, you know, there's all kinds of ways to tune into your energy, shift the brain state. So it's going to be a, a nice mix, I think, of some science, um, some experiences to try to get the brain into the desired state and then, ex and then trying things, right? Like doing readings and other, you know, some spirit art and some other kinds of active psychic mediumship type activities so people can get a sense of like you know is this helping to to tap in or or you know is it is it making the process easier so it's going to be you know three days of uh a combo fun. of all of that of fun yeah 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 it yeah. sounds sounds super interesting and i do um I do love the science aspect of it because it's, it, there's just so much validation that I'm hearing. 
yeah. from you, you know? And, and that's, again, like, like I said, you know, we're always like, I don't know how it works. Um, you know, and, and there are times, especially in the beginning, you know, when you're just starting out and you, in your work where you just say, I feel like I'm making this up yeah. because yeah. you don't know, you yeah. don't know, we don't know how it works and we don't understand it. Um, so it's really cool that the, and, and I know that the man that I did my mediumship mentoring program with was, um, had, had scientists studying his brain as well. You know, he, he's a spirit artist too. So, um, I so love when you're studying, his, sorry, Kath, when you're studying, are you like hooked up electrodes and stuff like this? And yeah, yeah. yeah typically, I saw that on TV once. You know, <laughs> yeah. 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 There've been a couple medium, of, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a there was a while back. I think uh, Doctor Amon hooked up uh, uh, Teresa Caputo. Teresa Caputo. On, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, um, Tyler Henry's gotten hooked up. I've yeah, Tyler it. Henry got hooked up recently. Um, so yeah, it's a very similar process to what those things look like. There's it's a it's called an electro cap. It's a little it kind of looks like a swimming cap, and yeah. there's you know at least the system I use has 19 electrodes, and so you can measure. 19 areas of the brain simultaneously, as well as how those different areas communicate with each other, which is actually really interesting. And that's an area that most people haven't really talked much about. And I'm still exploring a little bit of how to analyze my data better with that, because you do see some dramatic changes, not just in how much theta or gamma or whatever is happening, but also the connectivity how different areas are talking to each other, which may be even more important than, you know, cranking out a lot of theta. Maybe right. more important, like, well, how is this part of the brain talking to this part of the brain? Mm -hmm. um, Do you see a difference when you are doing that study between somebody who's doing like an energy healing versus somebody who's doing mediumship reading? Is it is it the same? Are you getting the same kind of data? Um, not Not usually. So the energy healing which is actually one of my things I'm super interested in right now, just because that's, you know, each of us has our own sort of skills, right? And um, mediumship's not my strong suit, right? You know, but energy healing, that's more up my alley. And so, uh, you know, so just personally, I'm, I have a lot of interest in that. And um, one of the patterns that you see pretty regularly is kind of the occipital lobe, the back of the head lighting up. Uh, with gamma, fast brainwave activity. Now, that's a common pattern that we see with psychics. We see, we see it a lot. Um, and I interpret that as exactly what it sounds like. You're seeing, you're getting information. You're seeing information. And I think it's interesting that that tends to be gamma, which is the fastest frequency. And so, you know, when people talk about higher vibration or things like that, it's like, well, maybe there's some accuracy to that right like because that's literally what we're seeing is the fastest vibration lighting up in the visual processing areas of the brain um the other area you see a lot with healing is the left frontal which sounds contradictory in some ways because you know that's like verbal language processing and most of the healers that i've worked with and the stuff i've studied well you're not you're not thinking about stuff you know you're 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 sort of holding space, if anything else, right? And um, my interpretation of that is similar to what you see with when you look at 
brain images of like Tibetan monks, right? So Tibetan monks who are doing like a compassion meditation, one of the parts of the brain that lights up is the left prefrontal lobe. And the reason for that is because that area of the brain is associated, especially in comparison to the right, with sort of positive emotional states, like moving towards something, having an approach motivation, moving towards something. And with this sort of positive, open-hearted kind of uh, perspective. So I think that's actually what's going on with the healers, right? It's like, you know, you've got this, you're holding space, but you're holding space in a way that's compassionate and loving and caring. And you're obviously in an approach motivation because you're, you're literally with the person in their energy field. And so, so anyway, I think that's probably what's going on there and why we see those results. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't touched. I mean, I could talk to you all day, personally. I know, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but is there anything else that you're like, I really want to talk about this thing? Like, go get this message across. I mean, I don't know if there's a specific thing, except that um, I think just wanting to be encouraging uh, on two ways, being encouraging of people to when it's appropriate and, and obviously not all circumstances, but to be willing to speak out about these things and be be vocal. And again, I know that that's not appropriate for everybody in every circumstance, but it's interesting starting to kind of step out a little bit more with this work as a scientist and both, you know, the amount of pushback you get from certain people in the scientific community, but then at the same time, all the people messaging me and being, and being appreciative um, for speaking out. And so to me, what that says is more people need to speak out because a lot of people are having these experiences and, and having a lot of weird things going on, but there's this, you know, whatever, there's this sort of attitude in our culture that it's like, oh, you're crazy. You're making stuff up. You're, you're woo. You're out there. But the reality is the majority of people out there have these experiences. Yeah. And you've you've got scientific data backing it up. Yeah. You know, so it's like, hello. I have seen a shift though in the last five or seven years of. Yeah it's actually becoming more commonplace for you to hear it on like the morning news program, them talking about stuff that's more spiritual, you know, not religious, spiritual, but spiritual and and that sort of thing. And talking about mindfulness, you know, my, it, even just the mindfulness movement has been huge. So yeah. And, yeah, and, no. helpful, and helpful for this, this, you know, woo woo community. So to yeah. Speak. <laughs> No, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, there has been a shift. Um, and so, you know, just wanting to encourage that, right. That it's like, you know, like, let's keep, let's keep shifting and let's, you know, um, and, you know, and and so kind of related to that, I think the other thing is just that this idea that we all do have this ability. And so, but it, it may take some dedication and uh, some work um and yes because like anything it doesn't just come you have yeah. to yeah. you have to work to open yourself back up well it's like it's like it's flexing that muscle it's it's, it's exercising that muscle yeah right which you know i was talking to a medium yesterday a, a friend of mine and um she was really t- she was really emphasizing that 
this idea that it's a lifestyle and that if you're if you're treating it like a lot of people treat meditation, right? Where it's like, I'm gonna sit on my cushion for 15 minutes in the morning and okay, now I'm done. And <laughs> and I'm gonna and then, go road rage. Yeah. I'm gonna go road rage. Right. <laughs> it's like you're not taking the lessons from the meditation and applying it to your life. And so it's not gonna have the same effect. And so she was talking about that a lot of the students that she works with have that that dilemma where they want to learn this stuff, but it's kind of like isolated. It's like, oh, now it's time to practice my psi abilities. And then, oh, now I'm going to put it away and go do my regular life. Right. And so she was emphasizing that it's like, to get really good at this, it's like, it has to be a lifestyle. It has to be, it's just a part of who you are and what you do all the time. And I I thought that, you know, when she said that, I was like, it hit me because I'm like, oh, well, that explains why I don't progress above a certain level, right? Because it's like, (laughs) you know, I put it away and then I go to work and I, I be a scientist. Right. And then, uh, uh, and, and so, you know, it's like, it's interesting, like thinking about that and what that means. Right. Cause it does mean some dedication. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on again. I'm sure. going to mention that at, what are the dates in April? Uh, uh, it's, I think it's the end of April. I think it's the middle. It's like, it it's, it's like mid-April, I think. It's 11, um, 12, 13, something like okay. that. So in April on Cape Cod, which is beautiful, and mm-hmm. um, April can be very beautiful out there and not busy. Not so beautiful better. right now, Maria. No, no. to that. But. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you may just meet me in person out there. I'm going to look at my... That'd be great. And see if I can swing it because I'm, I'm fascinated by this. So um, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, it's 12, 13, 14. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I'm so sorry that we lost Maria to the storm. I know. That's the, you know, that's what happens in February on the Cape. Yeah. Big wind. She, but at least we got her talking a little bit. Yes. And, I know. You know. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit. Yeah. Well, she, she knew. She was happy to hand the show. She knew. She, she knew. knew. Yeah. Yes, For exactly. Sure. Oh, well, again, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. You so much. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And um, for everyone who's listening, obviously you found us, so you know, but tell your friends that psychicwives.com. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our YouTube channel is The Psychic Wives, where you can see the video of this. And uh, until next time, be well and be kind. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Psychic Wives podcast with Ginger Hendry, Jerry Carabin, and Kathy Rumsey, where we discuss everyday living with a twist. To learn more about us, please visit our website at www.thepsychicwives.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Psychic Wives. If you would like to support us, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and feel free to share our episodes with anyone you feel would benefit from listening. Sending you all peace, love, and light.